welcome to some more great Bible preaching from the pulpit of Capital City Baptist Church in the heart of Austin, Texas. Our prayer is that your relationship with Christ is strengthened and that you are blessed by the time you spend in the Word of God with us today. Bibles, thank you for that song. How many times have been asked in my life, do you really believe that book? Absolutely. Believe more in it now than I ever have before. Believe Jesus Christ as Son of God. Believe someone saved by faith through grace. Amen. In the shed blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. No doubt about it. More convinced than ever. Acts chapter 1, we'll start reading at verse 16. We'll read through verse 22. Good to have Miss Thompson back in town. She was out preaching a conference. And uh, these women will tell you they don't preach and then they leave town. And next thing you know, you find out they're in conferences. So I'm convinced there's some kind of false doctrine going there. And if you sense a little jealousy in my voice, yes, there is some jealousy there. Acts 1.16, Men and brethren, this scripture must needs have been fulfilled, which the Holy Ghost by the mouth of David spake, before concerning Judas. Now this is talking about Judas, which was guide to them that took Jesus. What a sad phrase. Uh, what a sad ending. What a way to be known. as being the guide to the soldiers uh, that detained Jesus. For he was numbered with us and obtained part of this ministry. Now this man purchased a field with the reward of iniquity. He had taken that those 30 pieces of silver which he received after betraying the Lord Jesus Christ, purchased a field. Falling headlong, he burst asunder in the midst and all his bowels gushed out. It was known in all the dwellers at Jerusalem insomuch as the field is called in their proper tongue, that is to say, the field of blood. I'm going to ask Brother Taylor lead us in prayer this morning as we come. Amen. You may be seated. I'm going to preach this morning on a sad, sad story. To me, that's one of the saddest group of verses in the entire Bible. You think about the life of Judas and everything he had that he had going for him. Uh, when I speak about a sad, sad story, I'm not talking about the tragic ending. Uh, what a tragedy. But I'm, I'm speaking more and want to refer more to his life this morning uh, because according to verse 21 and verse 22, which we didn't read earlier, look there for just a minute. They're looking to replace Judas, and uh, his replacement had to meet the qualifications of the other apostles. It says, Wherefore these men which have accompanied, uh, accompanied with us all the time that the Lord Jesus went in and out among us, beginning from the baptism of John unto the same day that he was taken up from us. So we know from this passage uh, that these men actually uh, were probably saved under the ministry, heavily influenced by the ministry of John the Baptist. Now, can you imagine saying that you were saved under and trained by John the Baptist and the Lord Jesus Christ? Matthew 11, 11 does refer to John the Baptist as the greatest born of women. That's an incredible statement. That man that was dressed in camel's hair, girded with a leather belt, preaching, uh, I, I like his fireball style. Amen. We need some more of that in 2011 in the United States of America. 
very direct, very straightforward, when he saw the Pharisees and the Sadducees, pointed out his finger and said, uh, generation of vipers. Uh, and I've said some pretty direct things. I've never called you a bunch of snakes. Uh, that's what John the Baptist did. Uh, but he was uh, trained uh, under his ministry, then hand-chosen by the Lord Jesus Christ, and even picked as the treasurer uh, of the group. He held the bag. And I can imagine everything that he saw during those, uh, at least during those three and a half years, under the ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ. I mean, those things that we read in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, uh, the, the sermons, uh, he heard them all. The miracles, he saw them all. Can you imagine being there in John chapter 11 when Christ comes and, and uh, uh, Mary and Martha are crying and, and Lazarus has died and he talks about the death and, and he says, well, you know, really he just sleepeth and, and they misunderstood the Lord Jesus Christ. He said, oh Lord, you don't understand. He's been dead for four days. Now folks, if you've ever been around someone after four days of death, it's not a pleasant place to be. He said, he stinketh. And the Lord comes to the grave and simply says these words, Lazarus, come forth. I can't imagine the shock and the bewilderment and the amazement of those who were present. But Judas saw all these things. And uh, here's, here's what's sad. You would think, okay, it, if, if, if you could have been born in any time, lived any life, uh, I think this would have been at the top of my list. If I, if I could pick my place in history and say, uh, I would like to be saved under John the Baptist's ministry, uh, trained uh, under him initially, and then work for the Lord Jesus Christ, spend three and a half years eating uh, with him, working with him, uh, that sounds like a pretty good choice to me. Now, you would think that he'd have one of the finest and best lives, best testimonies uh, ever known by any Christian that walked the face of this earth. But despite everything he had going in his favor, this is still one of the saddest, most tragic stories in all the world. You know, this day, uh, Judas is just one of those names that no one wants to give to their child. No one wants to be referred to as a Judas. Uh, uh, it wasn't just because of the betrayal, but I want you to think about this for just a few minutes this morning. Um, at some point, the tragedy started because he was around the truth, heard the truth, uh, never honestly responded to the truth. And folks, you know, although he did not have the Holy Spirit's indwelling, he did have face uh, some Holy Spirit conviction. He heard repeatedly, probably daily, many times during the day, how to be biblically born again. Now, at some point, why was this life so tragic? Because he had to make a decision, I'm going to truly get biblically born again, or I'm going to have to fake it. Now, there's nothing worse in the world than trying to fake being a Christian. Now, that's miserable. Folks, I, I, I'm telling you, the secret to misery is try acting like a Christian when you're not one. That, that's just absolutely horrible. It doesn't matter if it's church, reading your Bible, or the things of God... Uh, or sitting around, uh, you know, being in the presence of other Christians. That's just a miserable experience. Now, imagine him living for five and a half years on, among the upper echelon of Christianity, trying to live it, 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 it on a different level in the Christian life, and yet not being a Christian. Now, that is absolutely 
phenomenally tragic. And here's what Satan told him. Satan is the father of all lies. And in John 8, 44, uh, Satan doing everything he, he could to keep his soul told him. Uh, it, it, now, Satan's uh, initial issue was pride. And here's how he deals with man to get man to go to hell. He uses their pride against them. And I, just by reading the Gospels and studying the Bible, uh, this is what this is truly the sin that put Judas in hell. It wasn't his betrayal of the Lord Jesus Christ. It was his pride saying, Judas, there are people that think a certain thing of you and imagine having to face up to the fact that you're not saved, you're not born again. Imagine having to tell people, hey, you know those first two and a half, three years, four years, it was all a lie. I was a fake. That would take a lot of humility. Can you imagine? Can you imagine, you know, two years into Christ's ministry, uh, Judas raising his hand during an invitation, walking an aisle, everyone gasped, put their hands over their mouth. Isn't he one of the disciples? Isn't he the treasurer? What in the world is he doing? Maybe he needs to get something right. No, Judas just got saved? No way. You've got to be kidding me. I mean, even the disciples never, this guy was such a good fake, even the disciples never figured it out. The last minute, the moment of betrayal, when Christ identifies him openly, identifies him, none of them caught it. Didn't even figure it out. Would have never guessed. Now, here's the worst part. Can you imagine all the good preaching that Judas had to endure? This was so tragic. I mean, that, that had to have been miserable. I mean, you got John the Baptist up there, fireball, you know, talking to him, bring forth fruit, meet for repentance. But he's, he, you've seen the, uh, the, the picture, you know, the logo, the OBC, you know, where the preacher's standing back, spitting fire, and about ready to condemn the congregation. That's the way I imagine in my mind John the Baptist. And here he is, you know, souls are getting saved and things are happening. He's, he's listening to this. He's going to revival after revival. Listen, they weren't just having church on Sunday and Wednesday. Judas was in church Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. Services and sermons were not lasting for an hour or two hours or for 30 minutes. We're talking about starting in the morning and listening to preaching all day long. He heard messages on hell that were convicting and, and Christ, listen, was vivid in his description. And I can imagine that he swung Judas right over the very flames and fire of hell, hoping to awaken him to the reality of his destiny. And Judas had to sit there. Can you imagine the conviction? I said, folks, this is tragic. I mean, how could you go through, uh, this many, sit through this many messages year after year and never, ever get born again. You want to talk about at some point being annoyed, calloused? I don't know the word to describe his state of mind. Now, at some point, here's what I'm convinced of talking to people. At some point, people reach, their, their pride has to put, their, put them in denial. And the only way to be saved is to admit, number one, your condition is a lost, condemned sinner before God. And man in his pride doesn't want to admit that. You know what the biggest obstacle is to getting people saved? It's not them accepting Jesus Christ. It's not getting them to pray. You can get anyone to pray. You can get anyone to accept the Lord Jesus Christ. Oh, occasionally you find a God-hater out there who say, yeah, I don't believe in Jesus Christ. 
Ah, I believe he was just a prophet. But the majority of the people, a few said, listen, do you believe Jesus Christ died on the cross? Absolutely. Do you believe he died to forgive sins? Absolutely. Would you like to accept him? Absolutely. But if you ask people, do you believe you're a lost sinner condemned and headed for hell? No. 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 Committed a few sins, but deserve hell. Now you're going way over four. And Judas never admitted that. Now, absolutely, Judas had a profession of faith. Now, don't think for a minute that Judas had, you know, just got plugged in and never had a... He had a profession of faith because he served under John the Baptist and he served under the Lord Jesus Christ and he actually knocked doors and he witnessed and he preached on the streets and he did everything else the other disciples did because they didn't sit around and say, boy, he's the lazy one, he's the disinterested one, he's the uninvolved one, he's problematic. So he had to have, he had to fabricate some kind of testimony here. Amen. Can I get someone to say amen this morning? I'm sensing just a teeny tiny bit of tension in here this morning. Now, I'm, I'm thinking about a man who had every opportunity, sitting in service after service, and in some of those messages, I, I mean, Judas must have just felt like the Lord Jesus Christ had his finger, you know, right in his face. Can you imagine? Okay, early in his ministry, how many of you ever read Matthew 7? Lord, Lord. Have we not prophesied in thy name? And in thy name done many wonderful works. Don't, don't, how many ever had a preacher, you know preachers glance across the room, and you, how many ever thought preacher was just looking straight at you? Have you ever, I mean, I, he's looking my way. You know, when he said that, he pointed, my, preachers don't do that. It, it, there is no preacher in his right mind that would do that. Now the Holy Spirit may get you to feel like he did that, there is no, you couldn't pay me enough money to do that. That's ridiculous. That's crazy. It's counterproductive. And I don't know if the Lord Jesus Christ did that or not, but I guarantee you Judas felt it. Can you imagine the message in Matthew 13 when he preached about the wheat and the tares? Oh, you want to talk about powerful, convicting. And he talks about, oh, there, were, there was a, a farmer that went out to plant some wheat, and the enemy went out, and he sowed tares among the wheat. And uh, uh, when the helpers found out about it, they said, what, do, what, what should we do? Should we go out there and pull out the tears? And he said, no, you, you just destroy the whole crop. You couldn't figure it out anyways. You can't distinguish between a tear and a wheat because they all look the same. And it's that way in Christianity. You have tears. You have people that have gotten into church, ingrained themselves in church, but aren't born again. And they're squiggled and squirmed Judas. And he said, we've got some fakers among us. <laughs> Maybe by that point he had so squelched the working of the Holy Spirit. Maybe he felt no conviction. I don't know. Because when pride, listen, there are certain satanic sins, and they come in a bunch, but, but that, that pride leads, leads to a level of self-deception that's incredible. And, and, and someone, when they reach that point, they can't even identify where they're at spiritually. And that's, so I don't know what point Judas had reached. I, I never met Judas. I'm old, but I'm not that old. Amen? Now, if you talk to someone like Brother Sutton, maybe they could give you a rundown <laughs> of the time. Right, Brother Sutton? Maybe he could fill us in. But I can't imagine the tragedy or the condition. I can't imagine Judas sitting there, invitation after invitation, and watching people respond and watching people get born again. And can you imagine... 
the Lord Jesus Christ is dealing with people. He watched the Lord deal with people. Each one is an individual. And he watched Jesus Christ pray, pray with people. And he watched Jesus Christ confront people. Can you imagine the confusion in Judas when Christ dealt with Nicodemus? Think, what's the problem here? He said, Nicodemus, you, you, there's a problem here. You've you got to get born again. You've got to get the real deal. You've got to get salvation. You've got to make your condition. You've got to get lost before you can get saved. So it wasn't just a conviction of the invitation. It was a conviction of watching people truly get born again. And he's, he's watching someone say, you know what, I'm, I'm a lost sinner. Oh, Lord, have mercy on me. Oh, God, if I, if I were to die right now, I'd, I'd go to hell and I need to get born again. And Judas saying, oh, man, I, I didn't do that. That's the tragedy. The sad part was knowing how many times Judas could have responded. How many times did Judas have to simply admit his condition, get born again, raise his hand? You know what? He didn't even have to do it during an invitation. He was with Christ so many times in private, he could have pulled him aside and said, Lord, uh, do you got a half an hour to spend with me? We need to get this thing settled. We need to get this thing straightened out. We need to be honest here. Uh, Lord, you know, I... I, I got baptized by John the Baptist, and I got rebaptized by you, but the bottom line is, uh, you know that, that story I told you? I never repented my sins and trust Christ as Savior. I, you know, I need to do that. Now, folks, why would someone... Here, here's what I've never understood after uh, 30, 39 years of life. I've never understood why someone would actually risk their soul in hell to keep people positive about them or to maintain a reputation or an appearance. Now, folks, we're talking about hellfire and damnation. We're talking about eternity. To willfully wait, to live self-deceived, this is my biggest fear as a pastor. I just, I can't imagine Judgment Day being more horrible for the average pastor who never was willing to risk friendships, by, I risk friendships every day, every week. How many of you have I confronted about your salvation? Now, folks, that's my job. If you have a pastor that's not willing to confront you about your salvation, I, I, I'm just telling you, my, I know I've got institute and school and other obligations and conferences and Sunday services, but my biggest concern is one day at the judgment seat, I want to see every single person that's ever been under my care be invited into heaven. Now, that's a relief. But the thought of someone misunderstanding, the thought of someone not, uh, not ever having been born again, the thought of... Now, here's what's so scary uh, it, it's, it's just so easy. This is the generation. This is the day and age. Listen, when Satan has said, uh, here's what i got to do. i just got to give them about 80% truth and 20% lie, and they're not going to be able to distinguish between the two. And our churches are bigger than ever. Our flocks are large. Our buildings are full of lost people congregating as saved people Amen. I can't imagine. Look in John chapter 13. Here's, here's, here's why it's so sad. I can't imagine the intense pressure to perform that Judas must have felt. 
Can you guys imagine? Okay. <laughs> some of you felt some pressure. Capital City is a high-pressure church. But can you imagine sitting under the ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ for three and a half years? I mean, you know every day your life's about the same thing. Reaching the lost. Discipling new converts. Every day, all day, sometimes from sunup to sundown. You're dealing with people at the invitation. You're dealing with people throughout the message. You're dealing with people after the message, before the message. Now, you've got to be on a high level all the time. Now, imagine trying to be on that high level and you're not even born again. That's brutal. I mean, you want to talk about intense pressure. Now, look what it says in, in, in uh, John chapter 13, verse 21. There at the Lord's Supper. When Jesus had said he was troubled in spirit... Now, when people uh, are troubled in spirit, you see it. You know it. The disciples sensed that he was troubled in spirit. Uh, and I'm sure they're curious. They're wanting to know. They want an explanation. So he gives them an explanation. He says that Christ... Now, Christ is becoming more bold in his approach with Judas because he knows the time is short. Nothing's gotten through. I mean, uh, you know, when he went through Lazarus, and, and, and the rich man, and in hell, and the torments, and, and Judas didn't respond, and the wheat and the tares, and Judas didn't respond, and by the fruits you should know them, and he, and he went through all these things, and Judas never responded. Christ said, okay, I've got, I've got to be more direct in my approach, more loving, and yet more direct. So he's troubled in spirit. Do you think he was troubled about uh, facing the beatings, and the mockings, and the scourgings? No, he's troubled about several things. He's troubled about becoming sin because he was a sinless son of God and he was troubled about the fact that Judas had been with him three and a half years and never ever gotten born again. So he says, Verily, verily, I say unto you, one of you shall betray me. Then the disciples looked one on another, doubting of whom he spake. Wow, Judas, you pulled it off. Three and a half years and 11 men that traveled with you and walked with you and ate with you and journeyed with you and worked with you never even had a clue. Congratulations on a job so horribly successful. Too bad there wasn't a crack. Too bad there wasn't a moment. Too bad you never got past your pride. How sad. And they're sitting there. And he said, one of you is going to betray me. And they looked around. And Judas looked around at Peter and said, I honestly don't even think anyone looked at Judas. Now, here's why I honestly don't believe they even looked at Judas. They said, Bartholomew, listen, you, you've been so uninvolved in this whole thing. I mean, here these guys are writing the, the Gospels, and you're not even barely mentioned, man. You, dude, you need to get busy. Do something. Make something happen. I bet if it's anyone's pride, Thomas is a doubter, man. He doubts everything. I bet it's Thomas. Jude was saying, no, I got my eye on Peter. <laughs> that guy says a bunch of crazy stuff. He's out of control. You never know. Now look what happens. There was one leaning on Jesus' bosom, one of his disciples whom Jesus loved, John. Simon Peter, therefore, begged to him that he should ask who it should be. I love Peter. Peter's over there. John, ask him who. <laughs> That's Peter in all the gospels. Like John, come on, 
You're in the position to do it. Just ask him. Just get him to nod his head. Wink. Look that direction. Come on, John. Joe's like, cut it out. Shut it down, clown. He then now now Peter actually manipulated John occasionally, and in this case he happened to. He then lying on Jesus' breast, saith unto him, Lord. Very discreet. Peter's kind of embarrassed, like, I didn't mean that way. Hey Lord, who is it? <laughs> Amazing how we read scripture and never even pay attention to what's going on. I mean, this is absolutely phenomenal. And and John's right there and he says, Okay, Lord, give it to us. There's only 12 here. You know, we, we might be able to avoid the whole scene if you just tell us who it is. And Jesus said, okay. It is to whom I shall give a sop when I have dipped it. Now, folks, is there anything in that scripture that can be misunderstood? Now, if you know Eastern tradition, if, when, when someone is hosting a meal uh, and, and the host takes the bread, scoops it, into the meal and, and, and dips out a piece of meat and gives it to a person that's showing special love. And that's what he was doing to Judas. He was showing special love. And he says, he has the bread in his hand. The person I, I give this up to, it's him. He takes the bread, dips out the meat, he hands it to Judas. They're still looking around like, okay, say his name. Number one, Christ wanted to show him love. But number two, he had reached such a level of self-deception, he still couldn't admit, it's me, I'm not saved, I'm not born again, I've never truly repented, nothing's ever happened. And the other eleven looked around and said, boy, I wish he would tell us. It's incredible. It's phenomenal that he could... Now, in outside he looked good, outside he fit in, but can you imagine the turmoil in his soul for five years? He couldn't, he couldn't do it any longer. But trying all those services and all those sermons and all those tracks, I'm tired of that. Can you imagine? And the preacher preaches on tithe, and every time I go to church it's about money. Do you know where you got that line? Judas. And he got, you know, there was a point when he was convicted of the message, and then he reached a point he was just disturbing and annoying. And this pastor just trying to get everyone to make a profession of faith, and this pastor just trying to manipulate. This pastor just trying to scare us about hell. And at some point, even when Christ said, whoever I give the subject, Christ was trying to love him into the kingdom. Read chapter 13, and you'll see he had just washed his feet. Folks, I love you, but I don't know if my love's great enough to, to go to that point. Steve, I'm not washing your feet. Eric, <laughs> sorry. We're close. We're just not that close. Christ in love was trying to get do something, say something, be something that would finally get Judas to be honest with himself and respond to the gospel. Can you imagine, okay... Can you imagine this? Trying to do the will of God, the work of God, without having any personal relationship. Now here's, folks, let me tell you how to be frustrated in the Christian life. Don't have a relationship with God, but try to do His will and His work. Judas was close. 
Christ could actually just reach over there and hand him the sock. Can you imagine all the love that Christ had displayed to him over the course of those three and a half years? Trying to love him into the kingdom. And Judas had to trample it. Can, now, he became such a... The, the level of self-deception is incredible because when he went to be trained, he displayed the fake love that he had been displaying for three and a half years. In a display of affection, he grabbed him and kissed him, knowing this is the kiss of death. Here's what's sad. Judas is not alone. Here's what's so tragic. How many people have had, maybe not that many chances, but a lot of chances. Look what it says in chapter 12 of John. Here's why his life was so sad. Judas watched others enjoy the things of God and never really found any true enjoyment. Now, folks, there's nothing more frustrating. I I have people look at me and say, you know, what do you do for fun? What do you do for fun? Oh, you go out, knock down 15 beers, barely find your way home, walk in the wrong door, you adore your ivory god for the next two hours. You bow down in worship as you heave. Heave offerings. You heave. <laughs> if you make it to your ivory god. What, what do you do for fun, preacher? Well, you know, everything about the Christian life is fun. We, how do you get yourself geared up? Um, I don't have to get myself geared up to do the things of God. I don't have to get myself geared up to go to church or geared... I'm going to gear myself up to read the Bible. I'm going to gear myself up to go soul. I'm going to gear myself to gear my Sunday morning. Come on. Well, who keeps you faithful? Salvation. Something happened with salvation that changed my mindset, changed my thinking, changed my desires, changed my path. I don't want the other life. You know what the average Christian wants? He confuses salvation with the social life because the average person enjoys the social life of church. They've just always lived a good life, so I want to be around good people so I can enjoy a good social life. I want my kids in a safe environment. I want my marriage to be in a safe environment. I want to be in a safe environment. I don't want to hang out with people that drink and smoke and chew and girls that do. I want to be around safe people. You don't want to be around saved people. You want to be around safe people. So because you want a safe environment, you've convinced yourself you're saved. That's what Judas wanted. Judas wasn't about partying. Judas didn't want the other crap. He liked the safe environment of Christianity. I mean, I know how these guys are going to act and what they're going to do. This is just comfortable. You know how many people have come to Independent Baptist Church? This is a comfortable life. Send my kids to a Christian school, be in a Christian environment. Someone else can help me raise them with principle. Not to love God, not to serve God, not to walk with God, but someone can raise them with principle so they don't act like a heathen. Someone say amen this morning. Look what happens. John 12, 3. Then took Mary a pound of ointment. It was very costly, anointed the feet of Jesus, wiped his feet with her hair, and the house was filled with the odor of the ointment. Then said one of his disciples, 
Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, which should betray him. Why was not this ointment sold for 300 pence and given to the poor? This he said not that he cared for the poor, but because he was a thief. He had the bag and bear that which was put. Now imagine this. Here comes Mary. They saw the brand of perfume that she brought and said, that's Gucci. That's, I don't know, whatever ladies' perfume is. Help me out, Devin. Give me an expensive brand. Don't tell me you haven't bought any perfume for your wife, Devin. She brings this expensive perfume, breaks it, anoints him, and everyone else is standing back saying, wow, what sacrifice, what dedication, what love. And Judas is saying, I don't know what you guys are impressed about. That's ridiculous. That is, you know what I have to say? It's, you know what's sad and tragic in Christianity? How many times I deal with people who don't even understand Bible Christianity. They don't understand Bible principle. There's this war in their heart and mind. Well, not a verbal war, just in their heart and mind, constantly. Battling. Bible principle. Well, they can handle moral principle, just not Bible principle. I mean, you get to give, you tithe, before you even start giving, missions, money to foreign countries, a free Christmas. They don't understand free Christmas school until their kids get school age. Oh, I understand Christmas school now. Thank God for free. People don't understand. But I, 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 here's what scares me. Probably my, this, folks, I'm going to tell you right here if I can get everyone's attention for just a minute. I'm close to having everyone's attention. I'm really, really scared half to death how many Christians can't distinguish between emotion and the Holy Spirit. How many times I have people tell me, talk to me, People, I've been preaching on the Holy Spirit for two years, and people rave to me about the Holy Spirit. I have no clue. The Holy Spirit never leads you to do anything against the, the Word of God. That's an emotion. Nothing. Amazing how blind we are, convinced we are. And I believe Judas had reached this level of self-deception where he was convinced he was doing right. I'm okay. He had to fight off that continual conviction in order to make it five and, a year, five and a half years. At some point, he had to turn off and tune out the Holy Spirit. So now everything was based on emotion. So he was standing back saying, I don't know what you guys are impressed with or about. Do you know what all we could have done for the work of God and the help of people and the benefit of the church with that money she just broke and spilled out on the floor? Come on, John. Tell me how wise that actually was. I think we've passed the boundary of fanatical. That's fanatical. We're not supposed to be fanatics. A year's wage, broken, three seconds later, it's gone. Take a good whiff of that, John. That's what was going on. He couldn't even understand or enjoy, and I'm concerned about people who in their mind try to sound, or in their words, sound spiritual. But folks, when you're saved and you're born again, you don't have to sound spiritual. You talk normal and sound spiritual. Be concerned. Have you ever heard somebody just constantly trying to sound spiritual? Don't the lights come on you to say, when you're spiritual, you don't have to try to sound spiritual? Miss Lewis doesn't try to sound spiritual. Have you ever heard Miss Thompson trying to sound spiritual? And here's Judas. 
Well, there's a lot of people out there in Africa that are starving to death, and we could have sent that money. Seen some people saved. He probably could have seen hundreds of people saved. Years wage. How many Isaiah 53s could we have sent? Each one of us could have each written on parchment Isaiah 53 and sent it to Ethiopia and seen people saved with that money. Amen. Can you imagine John 14, 27? Turn with me. He couldn't make sense of the things of God. But here's where it got miserable. Okay, here's the end of his ministry. And Christ says, Peace I leave with you. My peace I give unto you. Can you imagine the frustration of hearing that? Here's how these people in turmoil, here's how these people, I am peaceful. I am happy. I'm happy. I'm happy. I can't be happy everywhere with everyone. I can't be happy with him, her, them, there. But listen to me because I'm happy. Can you imagine? Judas is listening to this. And he's saying, you're peace, blah, 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 peace, peace, peace. Now, here's the worst part. Here's what he missed. Here's why it's so sad. Turn to Luke 23, 34. And it just gets sadder and sadder. Here's Christ hanging on the cross. He's already been betrayed. Judas is nowhere to be found. Jesus is hanging there, and he says, Father, forgive them. You know why that's so sad? Judas never received forgiveness, and he could have had it up to the very last moment. Even after he betrayed the Lord Jesus Christ, Christ still would have forgiven him. He still could have been saved and forgiven, and Judas could have known forgiveness. He could have been forgiven, and he could have forgiven, and he missed it. And then he missed, listen, life didn't stop there because after the resurrection, the disciples received the Holy Ghost and uh, they're empowered in Acts chapter 2. You see the day of Pentecost, right? And then Acts chapter 3 and 4, Peter goes out, preaches uh, at the temple, heals the lame man, preaches again, 5,000 people get saved. Judas missed, all, Judas missed the filling of the Holy Spirit, the power of the Holy Ghost, a special ministry. How sad. But folks, here's what I'm telling you about a sad story. Because I actually, as a minister of the gospel over the past 19 years, I watched this story repeated. Repeated in Mexico, repeated in Argentina, repeated in the United States of America. I wish I could go one by one and put a screen, put, you know, God, would you do me a favor this morning? When I mention this name, would you just put a yes or no concerning their salvation? Okay, God, ready to roll? Okay, Daniel. I thought so. Randy, well, that was obvious. Come on. Lizzie and Peruni. Uh-oh. Looks like we got trouble here. Now, nah, Corey Mullen, she saved Oh, wow. Joe had to use the bathroom. <laughs> Don't matter, Joe. He said yes. Can you imagine that? At least it would get people to think. At least they get them to examine their salvation. And here's Judas. He missed it all. Here's the worst part. This life is so short. It's like a blip on the radar of eternity. And when Christ spoke in John 
14 about those mansions he was going to prepare. He missed that. Can you imagine missing heaven? Can you imagine missing heaven because you say, I was too proud at some point. Folks, let me explain to you salvation. Because salvation is not uh, you, you growing up in your understanding of the Word of God and becoming more holy and more involved in church and a better person and some kind of experience and some kind of salvation is that moment when you overcome your pride and you say, I am a lost, condemned sinner. My condition is not good. In this condition, in my sins, I would die without Christ and spend eternity in hell. That's step one to salvation. If you've never been there, I like dealing with people who say, Preacher, you don't understand. I'm way too bad to be saved. I say, Oh, oh, oh you're really close to getting saved. It's the ones that say, Oh, Preacher, I'm a pretty good person. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm more concerned about Ruth Graham, who stated many times in interviews, I didn't personally have to have a moment when I repented of my sins and trust Christ my Savior because I was raised around the gospel in a Christian home. I always believed in God because in order to be saved, someone actually has to, has to, has to say and admit my condition is deserving of hell. That's where I'm headed without Christ. And I don't want that. That's where Judas never got. He never got to that point where he was honest with himself. And look in, look in John 6 and we'll be done. Say, preacher, if he wasn't saved, it must be really hard. No. The hardest part of salvation is you dealing with your pride. John 6.66, from that time, some of you looking at me cross-eyed, 666. He's talking about the disciples. From that time, many of the disciples went back, walked no more with him, then said Jesus to the twelve, We also go away. Then Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? Thou hast the words of eternal life. And we believe and are sure that thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus, now, Judas was in that speech. Judas was responding with the rest. Lord, thou hast the words of eternal life. Doesn't that sound like a, a saved man speaking? We believe! But one of the men saying those words was not born again. You can believe without being saved. We believe. We believe Jesus Christ, the Son of God. And Jesus, trying to get someone's attention, said, Have not I chosen twelve? One of you is a devil. All he wanted Judas to do was say, Okay, Lord, <laughs> you got me. Would have been the best day of his life, the biggest relief ever. The sad story just stopped. All he would have had to do was drop to his knees and say, Christ, I understand my condition. I want to be saved. He could have taken care of all of it in five minutes. He could have said, Lord, right now, I am confessing my sinful condition. I'm confessing that I'm lost in need of a Savior. 
He had to have that moment. Every man has to have that moment. Every man has to have this moment. You know what we're doing? Today in our churches all across this nation right now, in a few minutes, there will be some invitations. Someone will stand at the pulpit and say, if you want to go to heaven, come down here. If you want to go to heaven, come down here. And a group of people will gather at the altar, and he'll say, let's pray. God, this group is sincere, wants to go to heaven. I pray you save them right now. Pray with me. Save me, Jesus. Amen. And they'll hand them a note that says, that's not salvation. You say, well, I've got the certificate to verify. Take that to the judgment seat. You need something a little better than that. Well, when I did it, you would not believe the feeling. It was just like, whoo, bam, light. Okay. Take that to the judgment too. You know what you better have? You better have a biblical experience that says, I admitted my condition and said, God, I understand you're the only one that can save me. It's Jesus' shed blood. It's no good work. Now, without sincerity, belief, conviction, without you saying, God, I want to be born again, doesn't have when you're walking to your car, preacher, you know what I got saved? I was coming to full weight stop. Man, I was daydreaming. And all of a sudden, I saw a light. Probably the police car. <laughs> I saw a light, bright light. Someone tapped me on the shoulder. Probably your three-year-old daughter in the back seat saying, Daddy, that's red. It was amazing. And I hit the brakes and, ah! and I heard, ah! 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 and I stopped. Not even a scratch on my car. My life changed. Yeah, I hope you became a safe driver. <laughs> Folks, that's not salvation. Salvation is that moment in your life when you truly understand the Word of God. You get on your knees. You repent. And listen to me. When that happens, you're so overjoyed. You're so overjoyed. There's not a minute's sensitivity concerning your testimony. I love it when people ask me about my testimony. Ms. Holohan, anytime, anywhere, I'll tell you about my testimony. She's still wondering. She never heard it, so she's still wondering. <laughs> Folks, let me ask you, why in the world does a tragic story like this have to be repeated thousands of times in thousands of churches? Because Satan has crawled up on your shoulder and whispered in your ear, don't worry about it, just fake it. You don't need to be saved. You've never had that moment. You've never trust Christ your Savior. You've never given your heart and life to Jesus. But there's a lot of people who think you're a Christian. Don't mess things up. You don't need people looking at you cross-eyed. You don't need someone saying, you just got saved. Don't worry about it. Stay put. You're a good person. You believe. There's no way in the world... God would ever send you to hell. The sad part is the judgment day. Because without having a moment when you put your faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, admitted your condition, and received Him as your personal Savior, you don't go to heaven. Folks, you can mess up on a lot of things you can't mess up when it comes to your sin.
We certainly hope that you've enjoyed this message today, but more importantly, we hope that the Lord has challenged you in some way to grow in your Christian life. For more information about our church, including directions and times of services, please visit our website at www.capitalcitybaptist.org.